first counselors. And so praise the Lord. Um, we appreciate your part in our ministry. And the Lord's doing some awesome things. And again, I'll show you, share a little bit more with you in the next hour. There'll probably be a few more people in here. And uh, we're going to show a, a video in the next hour as well, about four or five minutes. And uh, we're, we're in the, just finished up an awesome building project. We have a big hot ropes course that we teach faith and character, trust and leadership. And, and we have zip lines and climbing towers. And we just rebuilt all of that. And uh, it's pretty amazing. I'm excited about it. And uh, we, we're in the process of putting the two zip lines back up. And we're looking for people to come test it. So if you want to be the first one to go down the 500-foot cable... Suspended, and I think that the one cable is is about 90 feet off the ground. And so, if you want to check that for us and make sure it's it's good and stable, that'd be just fine. We'll give you a helmet, knee pads, or something. Anyways, um, we're excited about it, and it's a, it's an integral part of our ministry. We've this is our third build of it. Every few, maybe about every 10 years or so, we've had to kind of redo that. Um, but we're excited about it, and it, it it's. Um, it's a big deal. If you were on that tower, most of you in this class probably, there's probably some adventurous people still in here, but most young people, they haven't figured out, you know, that it's not wise to, you know, go out on this stuff. And I'm just kidding. But anyways, uh, you, you'd get on, our, we have a 30-foot tower, and you'd get on one of the floors of that, and you'd go out um, across some poles, and you have a harness and helmet and all those kind of things on and go from cable to cable, from tree to tree to tree to tree. And, and about 30 minutes later, you end up on a different floor of that same tower and you can go off a zip line and pray for our, our summer programs. Uh, we are filling right up with many of our programs and every summer we run a waiting list for every program. And so you, you pray that God will work out all the things that need to take place. And I'll, I'll share a very specific prayer request with you. Um, we, we do not have enough staff as of yet for camp. And we are just 30 days away from camp, just under that. And uh, for us, that's a big deal. And I pray that God will supply the summer staff that we need uh, for our program. And I really believe that our staff is the key to our program. And God sends just the right staff. And praise the Lord, many, many of our staff have come out of this church over the years. And um, I think we'll probably even have someone, I know of at least one person will be serving at the camp this summer from here. And so you pray with us that God will meet that need. That's a very, if you will, large and heavy burden on me at the moment. And realize that we have campers registering from all over the United States. Moms and dads are buying plane tickets. And, and we've got filling up camp, but with not enough people to run camp yet. And uh, it is not a, it's not a problem just with the Wilderness Christian Camp and with our ministry. In fact, this past week, I've had three different camp directors call me and say, hey, do you have extra staff applications because we don't have enough staff? And, and online, I'm a moderator of a, of a, a group with about 6,000 camp directors. And all across the country, most camps have about 50% of the staff that they need. And so you just pray and pray that God will take care of it. He always does. We've never had a summer that God has not taken care of every need. And so I'm, I'm excited about what God's going to do. And, um, and you just pray along with us uh, that God will do some amazing things. And I'll share a little bit more in the next hour. Get your Bibles. I'm supposed to be, be uh, preaching or teaching this morning. I'll probably more preach in the next hour and teach in this hour. Uh, turn, if you would, to Matthew chapter 14. I appreciate your pastor allowing me to be here. I'm excited. you got another missionary coming in this evening as well. I think I'm on the lapel mic, correct? I'm just going to move that out of the way. Um, Matthew chapter 14. 
And again, I appreciate your pastor's friendship. And um, we probably have some, some embarrassing stories about each other and all that stuff. But I won't tell any if you don't. But if you do, I've probably got a few I can share. Praise the Lord. Matthew chapter number 14. I'm going to read just a few verses here, then we'll go to the Lord in prayer. It says, um, let's, let's start in verse number 22. It says, in straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples, get into a ship and go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. And the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, but the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. And straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And Peter was come out, I'm sorry, and Peter was come down out of the ship, and he walked on the water to go to Jesus. And when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when, and when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this morning. Lord, I'm thankful for Anchor Baptist Church and Lord, for all the ministries that are going on in various parts, Lord, the different Sunday school classes. And Lord, I'm thankful for some people being able to be bused here this morning. Lord, I'm thankful for the missions program. And Lord, just all that you've done with this lighthouse and this beacon. Lord, I'm thankful for the folks that chose to be in Sunday school this morning. God, I pray that you would feed us this morning. Lord, not just in this class, but in each of the classes, right on down to the nursery. God, I pray that somehow you would, your Holy Spirit would speak to us and, Lord, feed us individually right where we're at. Lord, I don't know what each person needs this morning, but God, I know that you do. Lord, I don't think it's a mistake that this group of people are gathered here just like this, and Lord, you have me here today and other folks, and Lord, I pray that we'd come out of Sunday school different, Lord, just simply because we met with you. Lord, I, I pray that you give us individually what we need. Some folks maybe need encouragement. Some folks maybe need an education or reminder. Maybe some folks need conviction. Lord, whatever it is that we need, Lord, I pray that you'd give it to us. And Lord, we ask that you'd get all the glory. Lord, it's what we want. Lord, I pray that you'd help me just to be the messenger boy to deliver the lesson or the message and Lord, I pray that you would speak through me and use me. In Jesus' name, amen. This is a familiar passage to most folks that have been in church any length of time. If you've been in church, you've probably heard lots of lessons and messages and all kinds of things out of this passage. In fact, there's, I mean, I could probably preach maybe a week series out of this, and we could talk about faith, and we could talk about storms, and we could talk about obedience, and I mean, there's just all kinds of things in this passage. Probably the, probably the most preached thing that I've heard growing up in church all my life is about Peter walking on the water. And, and praise the Lord, he walked on the water. And there's, there's a whole lesson to be taught out of that. And, and I, I, I always think that, 
You know, it's amazing. People focus on the faith aspect of Peter walking on the water, and when he took his eyes off the Lord, you know, he, he sunk in the water. I always get excited about the fact that he just walked on the water. Like, just, I mean, maybe it was just a step or two, but, but he did what no one else was do, able to do, and I, I, I don't have that kind of faith. I, I want to, but uh, I've not walked on water, maybe frozen water. But here you have, you have so much in here, and... Um, and I've preached out of this passage a lot of different ways. And, and a few weeks ago, I was reading through this, and I was going through something in my life, and the Lord just kind of gave me some thoughts, and I jotted them down. And, and then I realized, you know, this, this could be developed more. And, and so I want to just give you some things that the Lord gave me. And so there's no fancy title or anything, and I wrote this at the top of my notes, Observations from the Storm. And so there's some things that you can glean here, observations from this storm. Now, I'm a, a wilderness guy. For those of you who know, we run a wilderness camp. It's all backpacking and rock climbing and survival-style camps, and we host backpacking trips in, in different parts of the, the country and in different countries at times. And, and I've been in some storms. I have, I have set my tent up in storms. I have walked through hailstorms. I have just I have been through some, some real-life storms. And... Um, Set my tent up on a, a, one particular week. I camped an entire week, and the, the warmest it got was two. Two. And uh, so it changes your whole adventure. It changes a lot of things. And, 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 and if, you're, if you're in a storm, you know you're in a storm. And, and you can be in the exact same forest in a beautiful day, and it's a whole different experience. And the birds are chirping, and the sun is shining, and the, and the flowers, or you can smell the scent of the forest, and it's beautiful. And then there are other times when you think, I hope I make it out of this forest. And it's a whole different thing. And a storm changes your attitude. And here you have some seaworthy guys who really, they're not beginners to the water, and they understand it, and they are in a storm that catches their attention. They are in a storm that they are... In fact, I, I love the part where Jesus just comes along walking on the water and he says, be of good cheer. He just says, be happy. You ever, you ever been going through something in your life that's just overwhelming and someone comes along and says, ah. And you're like, you don't understand. You know, my wife and I, we've, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the male of the home and she's the female of the home. And so we look at things a little bit different. And she'll come to me and she'll say, oh, you got this problem, this problem. And I'm like, okay. And she's like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. Like, no, I, I understand. No, no, no. The car is going clunk, 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 clunk. Like, okay. And she's describing what, what, is, what is a storm at that moment to her, and she's getting my attention and trying to tell me, listen, this is serious. And, and here Jesus says, ah, be of good cheer. Get happy, guys. Get happy. And they're like, you, you don't understand. We're about to die. And this is just after he scares them, by the way. He's walking out on the water, and they, they're afraid, and they cry out with fear. And they think it's a, it's a spirit or a ghost or something of that nature. And so it's a big deal. But I want to just, I just want to kind of develop some things here real quick. And, and you, you've, you just read this with me, and you understand what's going on. And by the way, this is just on the heels of the, the feeding of the 5,000. And so God just did this amazing miracle, and then they find themselves in this situation here. And I normally preach messages or teach lessons with about three points, and I have six this morning. So I'm going to try to go really quick. Here we go. Observations from the storm. First, the storm may come when you're alone and apart. I want you to look at verse number 22 and verse number 23. 
It says, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples, Get in a ship and go before him unto the other side. Go, he's, you, you go before me, you go without me. It says, While he sent the multitude away. When, they, when he had sent the multitude away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. When evening was come, he was there alone. Now, I want you to just, as we're talking about these observations, I want you to think about your metaphoric storms in your life. When I say metaphoric, I mean not necessarily a real rainstorm or, or a hurricane. I'm talking about the difficulties that you may go through in, in your life. And maybe you're in one right now. Maybe you just came out of one. Maybe you're headed into a storm. Um, think about maybe it's a health storm. Maybe it's a financial storm. Maybe it's a family storm. Maybe it's an automotive storm. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe it's a relationship storm. Um, there could be some storm. And I want you to think about this for a second. Storms may come when you're alone and apart. And uh, I, I want you to notice that Jesus, Jesus knows where they're at. He tells them, listen, I want you to get in, in a ship and I want you to go. And, uh, but he, but, he, but he's, all, he's left them and sometimes you feel very much alone. And uh, I, by the way, I absolutely love a church setting. I love that I can come together with other believers and other people in their storms and we can help each other. You ever been alone in a storm? Yeah, it's scary. It's, I mean, it's, it's, in fact, it's dangerous. In, in Ecclesiastes, I believe chapter 5, it, it talks about one being alone and woe unto him when he's alone. And, and, and when he falls, how can he get back up? And there's just, there's just so much that gets afforded to you in protection-wise when others are together. And praise the Lord. But I want you to notice that sometimes when you come apart and you pull yourself away, you could find yourself alone in a storm. And uh, there's a lot of application here in a lot of different ways, and I'm not trying to take this out of context, but I wrote this down. Storms may come when you're alone and apart. And then number two, the storm may come after a great victory. We just re referenced the previous seven verses. Uh, there's this great miracle, the feeding of the 5,000. God just does this thing that people are like, wow. I mean, wow. You ever, you ever just watch God do something, you're like, whoo, this is amazing. If you haven't, look around. God does that stuff. He still does that stuff. He does that stuff for me. You know, we just, we just sent out a prayer letter saying a little while ago that we, we needed to raise $21,000 to redo our challenge course just for materials. Now, if we had done this challenge course two years ago and rebuilt the thing, it probably would have cost us like $5. I'm just exaggerating. But the price of materials are just skyrocketing, and I'm just watching it go up and go wood. I mean, lumber cost a fortune and, and all these different kinds of things. And to me, I didn't have $21,000. And I don't, I don't know. And it was a huge, huge miracle in my mind that God, God sent in all of that money. He actually sent in $22,000 because I didn't know that's what it really cost. But God did. Amen. And he sent all that in and he took care of it and supplied that need. And, and that was a big, someone else might look at that and be like, you know, well, I could write that check. $22,000 is not as intimidating for you as it is for me. You know, I, as a young man, his dad pastors a, a church in this state, in Ohio, and he's wanted to come to camp, and his family can't afford him to come to camp. And so a little while back, I put him on a list for a scholarship, and for, basically for someone to pay his way to camp. And we have a scholarship fund. Um, in fact, many of the folks in this church might even know that the, our scholarship fund is 
is the McLean Scholarship Fund in, in honor of Ernest and Wanda McLean. How many remember Ernest and Wanda McLean? They, they lived in this area, yeah, praise the Lord. And, and our property that we have our camp on used to be their land years ago. And um, people give to that fund, and then we disperse those funds to people that could afford to go to camp. Well, this young man is just 14 years old. The cost of camp is completely out of reach for him. Last night, somebody gave $500 to our scholarship fund, and I was able to text that young man and tell him that his camp was paid for, and he can go to camp. You know what that was for that guy? That was a miracle day. I mean, he's been praying every day. He texts me once a week, are you praying? I'm still praying. And he's been praying for this for six months. I mean, he's excited. And, and God took care of that need for him. And it's an amazing thing. But, but here's what I want you to notice, that I've learned in my life in the storms, sometimes those battles come right after a great victory. It's like, like we're all excited and the devil says, well, hey, yeah. let me ruin your day. Maybe... Maybe it's just another opportunity for God to show us that He's God. Maybe it's another opportunity for God to just step up and say, Hey, peace be still. It's another opportunity for God to show Himself. And sometimes we look at it like, Oh, you know, years ago when we first started the camp, our road into the camp, it's very rough. It's really rough. In fact, today, I mean, you, if you've got a four-wheel drive vehicle that you don't like, you can get there. You can drive in and out. And if you've got a vehicle you don't mind, put a few scratches on. You don't have to work too hard to get in and out of there. You can drive in and back out. As long as we've graded the road, it's the right season. The winter gets pretty rough. However, years ago, to get three-quarters of a mile of a section of this road, it would sometimes take three hours, and I am not exaggerating. We would winch in and out of every mud hole. And about the time you'd get out of one mud hole, guess what? You'd get right back in another one. And I'd get so upset, and I'd get so frustrated. There's an older guy who worked with me. He's in his 80s now, and he'd sing and smile and laugh, and he's having a good time, and I'd be so frustrated, and he'd say, let's just sing. He'd say, buddy, buddy, we're just stuck until we're not. <laughs> yeah, I realized that. And he's having a good time, and you know what I learned to do? I learned to just sing, and I learned that, listen, listen, God can take care of this, and God can take care of all of those things, and you know what I learned to do after about three years of being stuck in mud holes? I learned to pray before I got in the mud hole. When I got in the mud hole, I learned to pray before I tried to get out of the mud hole. And sometimes I would, I'd spend an hour or two hours trying to get out of one spot. And then I'd be like, all right, stupid, you should pray. And I'd pray, and it seemed like just right off the bat, I'd get right out. I eventually realized I should pray right away when I get stuck. And then eventually, it took me a long time, but eventually I realized I'll just pray before I go through this mud hole. Listen, what I'm saying is that, that these things that look like terrible situations are really opportunities for God to show himself to you and to teach you and to grow you and, and all those different things. I preached a, a message a few weeks ago at a, at a revival about why I love the valleys. And, um, you know, we have these songs we sing like God on the mountain is still God in the valley. And uh, we talk about, people have prayer requests that say, pray for me, I'm going through a valley. And we, we talk about valleys as terrible places, but really, if you've climbed enough mountains and you walk through enough valleys, you quickly realize that a mountaintop is a terrible place and you don't want to live there. And, and it's desolate and there's no life and there's no water and there's no growth and it's terrible and you're lonely at the top of a mountain. But in the valley, 
the valley is where the, the flowers grow and the berries are and where the water is and where God grows you and sustains you. The valleys are an amazing thing all through the Bible. Even Psalm 23, the most memorized psalm. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And it talk, the psalmist is really just describing an amazing valley and that God takes care of every need that he has in the valley. And so those low times and those difficult storms and those moments, those are opportunities to grow. Those are opportunities for God to feed you. Let me move on. Storms may come when you're alone and apart. Storms may come after a great victory. And storms will come when you're doing what you're supposed to. Look at verse number 22. It doesn't always mean you're not where you're supposed to be. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples, get in the ship and go before him under the other side while he was sent the multitude away. By the way, I love this part. I always point this out whenever I preach out of this passage. When Peter, later on, when in verse 28, it says, Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee in the water. You know why Peter asked God, if it's you, bid me come? Because God had told him to get in the boat, and I believe he had to get permission to get out of the boat. I believe he had to ask. God said, listen, I want you to get in this boat. And go ahead. And listen, they're right where God told them to be. Listen, it may, it may be that God wants you in that storm. It may be that storm that you're in. Don't, it may not be that God wants you out of that storm. And so often with every storm we have, we pray that God takes it away. Maybe God's doing something in that storm and he wants, to, he wants you there. And I don't always understand it. By the way, if these guys had not gone through that, we wouldn't have this passage to glean from. Maybe the whole reason they had to go through this was for us today. I don't know. I don't pretend to understand it, but I do, I do know that God's way is perfect. Let me point out, I, I, I put this down in my notes, some things that benefits of being in God's will. you got protection offered to you right in the middle of the storm. You have peace offered to you right in the middle of the storm. And strength offered to you right in the middle of the storm. 1 Peter 5, verse 10 says, But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, established, strengthened, settled you. After that you had suffered a little while. Listen, listen, sometimes God wants you to go through that. God's doing something big. Listen, I would, I would not be the guy that I am had God not brought me through some valleys and battles and storms and struggles, and praise the Lord. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying, Lord, bring them on. Please give me more. But if God wants me there, then that's where I want to be. I remember years ago, we had an assistant director working at our camp. His name was Brother Blaine. And we, at that time, my family lived in a big fifth-wheel trailer, a big 40-foot trailer, and we traveled all over the country in evangelism. And, and um uh, the first year that Brother Blaine served with our ministry, the, the plan was for him to, to schedule his own meetings and go to his own churches and preach other places. But when he did not have a meeting, he would travel to our meetings and wherever we were and, and uh, meet people and develop relationships. And, and he had a big 40-foot trailer and, it, and it had three little girls, and they would travel along, drag their trailer behind our trailer, and we'd go to the same places all the time. And he had a much nicer trailer than ours. I mean, a beautiful fifth-wheel trailer, uh, two, two bathrooms in an RV. I mean, a nice trailer. But his trailer broke down way more than mine. I mean, all of the time, his truck broke down, his trailer broke down, but he had the nicer of it. And, um, and I mean, we broke down all over the country. 
And uh, one day I was laying underneath of his trailer on the side of the road, working on the axle. And I pulled out from underneath that thing and I said, Blaine, I have no idea what God's trying to teach you, but you better learn it because I am tired of laying under your trailer. Probably wasn't the best attitude. That's what I told him. And you know what he said? He said, I know what it is, and I just don't want to learn it. And I said, well, I'm going to go back to my trailer, and you fix this by yourself then. That's what I told him. And uh, I thought, well, I'm not going to help you if you're not learning this lesson. And I went back to my trailer, and a little while later, he knocked on my door, and he said, listen, I made it right with God, and he said, "I'm, I'm ready to move on. And you know, his trailer stopped breaking down. Stop having problems, and it was just, it was, you know, I'm not saying that God does it all the time that way, but God was growing him in that, in that storm, in that way. Let me move on real quick. Storms, observations from the storms, you may not recognize Jesus in the darkness of the storm. Look at verse number 25. And in the fourth watch of the night, this is said to be the darkest hour, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea, when the disciples saw him walking the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. I just want you to notice that sometimes in the midst of the storm, it gets confusing, and you cannot see straight. You don't understand that it is God, and that God is taking care of things, and that God is right there, and you're not alone. And, and sometimes, I put this in my storm, in the storm, it's easy to let your imagination fool you. It's easy to let the mind lean to its own understanding. It's easy to think that this isn't a God thing at all. They said, is it a spirit? Is it a ghost? I mean, they're they're trying to figure out what is this, but really it's God right there taking care of them. And uh, listen, there's been many times that I've, I've made unexpected stops along my journey that seemed to be inconveniences, but God had a purpose for those stops. And God parked me right where he wanted me to be and moved me along. And right in the middle of the storm, you might not always recognize that it is God. In the darkness of that battle, God may have a bigger plan than we understand and than we see. Let's move on. Storms draws closer to Jesus. I look at verse number 28. I love this. Peter answered and said unto him, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come. Bid me. He says, Lord, I want to get close to you. Listen, this is really what happened. Can I move around here? Is that all right? Move over here. So he's, he's in his ship over here. And he's scared out of his mind with the other seaworthy men. This is a serious storm. They're, they're, they're afraid. And then over here, you have distance here between him and Jesus. I don't know how far the distance is and how far they could see him. But, but Peter sees him and he says, God, if it's you, let me come to you. And I believe all he's doing is just trying to get as close to Jesus as he could. In the middle of the storm, I don't think he's trying to walk on the water. I think he's saying, God, I want to get where you are. I want to draw as close as I can to you. And listen, by the way, if you're in a storm, get as close as you can to Jesus. Get right there. I mean, get where Jesus is. Get in your Bible. Listen, it blows my mind how many people go through a battle and so they can't be in church. Listen, if you're in a battle and you do every, everything you possibly can, to get to God's house. Remember years ago, myself and one of our, our interns, we take on one-year ministry interns, and they're studying for preparing for Bible college, and had, had one of our guys, on a Wednesday afternoon, we were working at the camp, and, and 
And we, we don't normally get too stuck in the mud too often anymore unless we have an intern. God wants to teach. And then we get stuck in the mud. And uh, I remember years ago, my, my now adult son, we took on a new intern, and he's like, oh, I hate when we have interns. And I said, why? And he's like, because everything breaks, and we get stuck in the mud, and you miss dinner. And, he, and I hadn't seen it yet, but he was seeing a pattern there. But this intern and I, we were very stuck in the mud on a Wednesday, and it took a great deal of effort, and we finally got out of where we were at. And, and it was a Wednesday night when we would normally be in church, and, and this had kept us back. And, and here church started at 7, it was about 7.30, and we were absolutely covered in mud. And I told him, when we pulled into the parking lot, he said, what are we doing? I said, we're going to church. He said, like this? We're going to defile the place. And I said, take off your boots and roll up your cuffs, and we'll sit in the back. And he said, I'm not going in. I said, okay, I am. And um, I went in there and tried to be as neat as I possibly could and sat in the back row. And that pastor's a country pastor, and he understood, you know, that stuff happens in our area. And he didn't think much of it. And a few minutes later, that young man came in and sat down. And, and afterward, he told me he had to, had to learn lesson there. And what, I, what I'm trying to say is that in the middle of the battle, don't distance from God. Get as close as you can. If there's ever a time to read your Bible, to be as close as you can to God, it's right in the middle of the storm. And last point, and I'm done. Look at verse number 33. We haven't read this yet. Storms may cause you to worship. Let's back it, but verse number 32. And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. This is in verse number 33. Then they were in the ship, ship came and worshipped him, saying, of a truth, thou art the Son of God. It was just an opportunity for him to just show himself. And they said, there is no doubt, this is the Son of God. This is Jesus the Christ. This is God. And they began to worship. And if you go down and read the, the, the following verses, let me just read them with you. Verse number 34 says, And when they were gone over, they came into the land of Gennesaret. And when the men of that place had knowledge of him, they, they sent out into the country round about and brought unto him all that were diseased and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment and as many as touched were made perfectly whole. See, God's, God's just, just moving right on and continuing to show himself and people say, listen, I want to go where that guy is. I want to go where he is and let him take care of my need. And I want to read one last passage to you before we, we close. Turn your Bible to Psalm 95 real quick. I'm going to read three verses to you observations from the storm. The storm may come when you're alone or apart. The storm may come after a great victory. Storms may come when you're doing what you're supposed to. You may not recognize Jesus in the darkness of the storm. Storms draw us closer to Jesus, and then storms may cause you to worship. Listen, give God the glory in the good times and the bad times. Psalm 95, verse 6 says, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Today, if ye will hear His voice, harden not your heart. Listen, I, we're just talking about worshiping, and then it transitions. It says, listen, it, God's, God's all of this. Don't ignore it. Today, if ye will hear His voice, harden not your heart, as in the provocation, as in the day of temptation in the wilderness. Listen, I don't know what storm you're going through. I don't know if you're in a storm. I don't know if you're about to head in a storm. But I will tell you, 
God can do some amazing things in the midst of the storm and just, just smile and get as close as you can to God and figure out what God's trying to do with your life and just be obedient, be right where you're supposed to be. And love God. And, and, and let, me, let me just go a step further and thank Him for the storm. Say, God, thank you. Thank you. There's so many things we don't understand. It is hard to thank God for a storm, especially the ones you don't like. I mean, it's one thing if you're trying to grow a garden and it hasn't had rain for a while and you're, you're praying for rain and the storm cloud comes and you get rain and you, you're happy about that. But if you're on the edge of flood, you live on a creek or a river and you're watching the water come up in your yard, you may not be praying for rain. You may not be thankful, but God has a plan. God knows what He's doing. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank You for the Sunday school hour. Lord, I don't know what you want to do, but Lord, I believe I've been faithful to do my part. Lord, I pray that you would do what you want to in Jesus' name. Richard. We stand to our feet. Heads bowed, eyes closed. The piano plays. What a great lesson. So many things that we can observe really from a storm and so many times when we're in the storm, we don't take the time to observe all those things, but... A lot of great truths there. Sin can, or storms can teach us some things, and sometimes storms are a result of sin and a lesson that we don't want to learn, such as the case of Jonah. Sometimes it's just to grow our faith, such as the cases Peter and those disciples, they were right where God wanted them to be. They weren't living outside of God's will, but they still had a storm. Whatever the need, Maybe you just want to thank the Lord for the storm. Maybe you want to say, Lord, I want to grow closer to you. Whatever the need, I believe the lesson's been clear. Sometimes we get that stubborn streak in us. The other evangelist he was talking about. Sometimes we know God wants to teach us something and we don't want to learn it. Don't be stubborn with God. Be soft-hearted with God. Be pliable. Let Him have His will and His way in your life. Whatever it is that He wants to teach you. to a close. Certainly appreciate that message, brother, and uh, really went right along with our lesson. We've been learning about Jonah and uh, a little different side to a, a different storm, but uh, praise the Lord for that. I certainly appreciate that, and uh, we have a couple minutes here before we start our next service. Uh, smile at somebody, let them know you're glad to see them here this morning, and then hang around for the morning service as uh, we'll have that video, and brother uh, Jason will share more about the camp, and uh, and that'll be a blessing. So uh, we got a couple minutes, and then we'll start back up at 11. God bless.